I could never do that. Well, hi there. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. Just a reminder that this episode is pre-recorded. The lovely Lady Leanne and I are planning to be back this Thursday. And please go ahead and comment on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com s12e132 and send in your prayer requests and praises at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. Our reading today is 2 Corinthians 6 through 8, and I'm calling the episode Hop 2. Let's get started. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We work together with God, so we are asking you not to receive God's grace and then do nothing with it. He says, When I showed you my favor, I heard you. On the day I saved you, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time God shows his favor. Now is the day he saves. We don't put anything in anyone's way, so no one can find fault with our work for God. Instead, we make it clear that we serve God in every way. We serve Him by holding steady. We stand firm in all kinds of trouble, hard times, and suffering. We don't give up when we're beaten or put in prison. When people stir up trouble in the streets, we continue to serve God. We work hard for Him. We go without sleep and food. We remain pure. We understand completely what it means to serve God. We are patient and kind. We serve Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. We serve Him with true love. We speak the truth. We serve in the power of God. We hold the weapons of godliness in the right hand and in the left. We serve God in times of glory and shame. We serve Him whether the news about us is bad or good. We are true to our calling. But people treat us as if we were pretenders. We are known, but people treat us as if we were unknown. We are dying, but we continue to live. We are beaten, but we are not killed. We are sad, but we are always full of joy. We are poor, but we make many people rich. We have nothing, but we own everything. Believers at Corinth, we have spoken freely to you. We have opened our hearts wide to you. We are not holding back our love from you, but you are holding back your love from us. I speak to you as if you were my children. It is only fair that you open your hearts wide to us also. Do not be joined to unbelievers. What do right and wrong have in common? Can light and darkness be friends? How can Christ and Satan agree? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? How can the temple of the true God and the statues of other gods agree? We are the temple of the living God. God has said, I will live with them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. So come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch anything that is not pure and clean. Then I will receive you. I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord who rules over all. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. I do not say this to condemn you, 
I have said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged. In all our troubles my joy knows no bounds. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to your repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the injured party, but rather that before God you could see for yourselves how devoted to us you are. By all this we are encouraged. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was, because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. I had boasted to him about you, and you have not embarrassed me. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved to be true as well. And his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I'm glad I can have complete confidence in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn 
their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, as it is written, The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we are sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and in honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. Well, beloved, let's look at verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I read that from the New King James Version. I'm going to focus on the very first part of that verse that said, We then, as workers together with Him. How marvelous is that? God calls us to work with Him. As God, He certainly does not need our help. He created the universe without us. Is there any doubt that anything He wants to do can be done without our assistance? Why do you suppose He invites us to work with Him? Well, I think He does it for our benefit. When my boys were young, I would sometimes ask them to help me, as in, air quotes, help me do work around the house. When they were very young, they would help mow the lawn. By the way, on the show notes page, I'll put some pictures of them helping me mow the lawn. And when they were a little bit older, I would ask them to help me change the oil in the cars. I'd ask them to hand me tools. And today, all three of my boys have the confidence to work with their hands to do whatever they decide to tackle. Stephen, my middle son, recently thanked me for teaching him this skill. He works as a finance manager at a local car dealership, so working with his hands is not required by his job. But a couple of days ago, he was given a new desk for his office, and instead of waiting for his employer to hire somebody to assemble the desk, he put it together himself. His colleagues marveled that he was able to do it on his own, but he needed the desk, so he put it together. In his mind, it was no big deal, but they said, I could never do that. So he thanked me for teaching him to work with his hands. And in my own life, my dad taught me the same lesson. He was a bricklayer, and he worked with his hands from a very young age. He had a kind of a tough childhood, but he could do just about anything. I started helping him on his bricklaying jobs when I was about 10 years old. I'd stack bricks, mix cement, clean his tools, whatever he asked me to do. And I did that off and on until high school when I got a summer job as a lifeguard. And then when I was about 17 or 18 and needed to earn more money, I got a summer job with a company that he worked for so that I would have enough money that I'd not have to work during the college school year. I paid for my own books. I paid the school fees. I had gas money and whatever I needed. 
And one day on the job, my dad said to me, I learned a long time ago that when the boss asks you if you can do something, say yes, whether you know how to do it or not. You can always figure that out later. Just tell them yes, and then go figure it out. Well, my dad built a very good life for himself using that approach, and my business is in its 33rd year, yeah, 33, uh, thanks to that mindset, and I've passed it along to my boys. And now, getting back to the verse we're looking at, God has called us to work with Him. You'll remember what Paul said in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So, an ambassador is the representative of the one who sends him. His or her entire mission is to fulfill the agenda, the mission of the person or organization for whom he or she is working. Any authority that the ambassador has is delegated to him by his superior. And this, as Paul said in verse 20, is the relationship we have been called to. What a privilege and what a responsibility. We are workers together with God. Time to get busy. Hop to. Comment at lifespringmedia.com slash s12e131. I'd like to know what you have to say. Our reading tomorrow is Exodus 21 through 24. Boost. On this date in church history, January 9th, 1943. You'll remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the popular World War II song, Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition. Well, on this date, it reached number one on the pop music charts. Performed by Kay Kaiser, the song was inspired by the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, how wonderful is your love and mercy, Lord, that you would call us to work with you, that you entrust us with the high calling of sharing the good news is no less than astounding, Lord, knowing how flawed we are and how important the mission is. We thank you for your word, which equips us for the work when we study it and allow the Holy Spirit to make us into the people you want us to be. I pray that you would help each of us to follow your leading, Lord. Forgive us when we fail you, and I ask again that you would give us a greater desire to know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Send your prayer requests in at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. My name is Steve Webb. Bye. Bye.